This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers Insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Steve Politi here back at the pod. Thanks for joining us. It's been a while. Uh, joined, as always, by Brian and Pat. We've got a lot, a lot to talk about. Uh, exactly one month from today or tomorrow until we're in Boston. Training camp starting up tomorrow. Wednesday, first time they'll be out there. Uh, but fellas, this is interesting. <laughs> so I had a wild morning, became on two national college football radio shows. Can you can you guess can you guess what they wanted me to talk about? The uh, quarterback battle between Gavin Wimsett and Noah Vedral. That's exactly how did you know? Yeah, right. That that, that that's gonna get that's gonna get it in Alabama. No, that's not it. I thought it was about... your live live golf beat writer future plans. <laughs> they wanted to hear about that's a better guess. I have done it. I did do a radio a couple of radio spots on that too. If you want to talk about live golf, that'll be our second podcast some other time. Yeah, we can we can dive into the scene at Trump Bedford. No, I want to talk about Drew Singleton, which I was kind of surprised about. I didn't, you know, I wrote a column about that. If you're not following the situation at Rutgers, they they're hopeful. That an NCAA appeal will allow uh, their linebacker, Drew Singleton, who had declared for the draft, who hurt his ankle in the bowl game uh, and now wants to come back at Rutgers. They're hopeful that he will come in the lineup. (laughs) People apparently are piping mad about this in Alabama. And I just didn't. I was on a show with uh, Greg McElroy. People remember him as the former Jets quarterback. Obviously, he's a celebrity in Alabama, national championship winning quarterback, I think, in Alabama. Uh, Fired up. Who knew, right? I mean, that that didn't didn't see that one coming. Um, g- give me an update on where you think this is, guy. I mean, what what do you think the situation? What's going to happen with Drew Singleton? And is is it likely that we'll see him on the field this year? Go ahead, Pat. Is it likely? Uh, I think I think it is likely because there was precedent before. There were there were two cases that were more played out on. Uh, COVID hardship rather than, than this unique circumstance. But I think because there was precedent 
and and the national. I want to say I don't want to say the politicking, but the way it's kind of made headlines and, and the way it's been picked up. I think the NCA this this just like feels like such an ant under their shoe, right? Like yeah. why why this is such a minuscule thing for the NCA to take any heat on. So like I just, just can't imagine it becoming such a big issue that they need to uh, create more negative press about the NCA. Right, Greg, Greg McElroy's take on this radio show, which caught me off guard, was that if the NCAA lets Drew Singleton play, essentially every every player in college football is going to turn pro and test the NFL and want to come back, and it's going to be chaos on these rosters. And my response, my response to Greg McElroy was, aren't they already all professional athletes at this point? I mean, I'm you're a, you're a radio show in Alabama, Fonseca, right? I mean, am I wrong about this? Everyone's getting paid. Drew Singleton actually hasn't gotten paid. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Yes, and good. They all should be paid. E- yes. ESPN dropped a massive story yesterday where they like surveyed 200 massively important people in college football, and some 80% said that in five years, schools themselves are going to start playing play- paying players. This is where college football is headed. And the thing that everyone's mad about is rules. There are rules in college football. There are rules in life. We must follow them or else the slippery slope that you're talking about is going to happen. And college football players are going to be playing basketball and college athletics, as we know, it, is going to destroy, be destroyed. Everyone is so worried about this. And then all the people that are worried about it in September, week one, are going to have five TVs in their living room playing every <laughs> game possible, betting 70 games every which way. And the, all the, it's like when people were saying they're going to stop watching the NFL and all of a sudden it's, the mo- it's still the most popular sporting league in the world, right? Like it's all fake outrage that people are trying to conserve this idea of college football that they have. And look, it's over. Of, of it's all dead. The things, of all the things that are happening in college <laughs> sports that Greg Schiano called all of them a seismic shift. Are we really going to get so beat up over Drew Singleton, who might not even be the best linebacker Rutgers has on its roster, coming back for one year? Like, right. if there, I first of all, when you told me this, I can't believe there's this much outrage. Well, actually, I probably should believe this, but it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and and, and to your and to your broader point of they, uh, that they need if that's a different topic entirely. If they're that if they're that if they really need Drew Singleton that badly to play this year, the defense might be in trouble. I love he's a nice kid. But, you know, I, I thought they had moved on from him. But to the broader issue, Pat, it is, it, is, it is sort of fascinating at this point, at this point in time in college football. And we're going to talk, we'll talk now about, you know, the other massive issue I was asked on two national radio shows about. Uh, and they talked about it on the Yahoo pod. Greg Schiano coming out and saying, look, we need millions of dollars to keep this roster intact. And I thought that was a really uh, kind of a remarkable thing for him to go out and publicly say and and it just explains where college football is right now i mean you know it's one thing if ryan day and ohio state and the machinery of ohio state's gonna say all right we're gonna pay players texas a&m we're gonna play recruit we're gonna raise millions of dollars you know to do it that's a different salad rutgers right i mean i don't know that yeah if there's stomach is there a stomach for that do you think i would i would hope so if you're rutgers fans listening like i first of all i i when I think of like NIL, I always think about this, it, major league baseball, right? There are big money teams. And then there are teams that it's just okay. If they don't, they don't pay as much as other teams, right? Like the Oakland athletics compared to the Yankees in terms of payroll, right? Like, so that competitive scale has always right. been there in, in college football too, but now it's become more apparent than ever. We're just going to be okay with some teams, Ohio state, Ryan day asking for 14 million and Rutgers asking for, you know, a, a million, like 
that that gap is is always going to seemingly just keep growing and growing. And then when the little guy wins, we applaud it, and it's amazing. And when Alabama and Ohio State win, it's like, ah, no wonder why they win. Yeah. Oakland's 40 games below 500. Just I think that's that <laughs> yeah. part of the thing. Um, <clears throat> but it is. I mean, this is what and this is going to be what this season's like now, I think. If if he's right and there are some young guys who have great years, if, if Gavin Wimsett wins the starting job and throws for four yards against Boston College, our, our <laughs> first reaction is going to be, oh, no, someone's going to come here and take him and pay him. Um, do you think he's right, Brian? Is that, is that, is that, is that a, is that a fear? And is it a game that Rutgers can, can Rutgers be a player in that landscape? It will absolutely, it's absolutely a justified fear. Uh, every off season essentially is going to be free agency. All these guys are essentially on one season deals that get renewed every year. There will be guys who don't want to leave for the money, whether that's their, you know, their family situation or they want to stay love the system they're in, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, it's that's this is the new reality until the NCAA or in all these commissioners pipe dreams, the federal government comes in and, you know, takes all the important stuff they're allegedly working on and starts focusing on college football and IL stuff until that happens. This is the reality we live in. Um, can Rutgers compete in this environment? I, I don't know. I, I find it hard. I find it hard to believe that they will. Um, Rutgers has been behind in facilities for years. Right. And they've struggled raising money for years. That's the other part of it. Right. That, you know, that's probably a they, broader right. point I was reaching. Yeah, exactly. When they, so when they want to build the academic building, they got one big donation and they had to take loans on their money from the big 10 going forward. They couldn't, you know, they, they that's sort of been the history. There's not this, they rely on the same five or six donors. Uh, they don't have that. They don't have that deep base of people who, you know, who want to shell out money for this. And, and it's, it's beyond, this is more like some of those guys are, right, well, I could put my name in the quarterback room. That that's a lasting thing. It's different when you're saying, all right, I'm going to give, I'm going to give this X amount of money and it's going to go to a running back. It's just a different, it's just a different situation. And it's a hard sell for a lot of people. Greg Shannon knows it's a hard sell for a lot of people too. It's, it, I mean, it's just a fascinating sort of world that we're in living in now. And Rutgers is part of that, but not quite part of it. It's just, it's, it's really interesting to see how that's going to unfold in the next couple of years. All right. So you guys, you guys were in Indianapolis where this, I imagine, was the big topic, one of the big topic of conversations. Uh, give me some highlights from Big Ten Media Day. I mean, what what you know, what was your biggest surprise? What was the topic that was that stuck out to you the most that people were talking about? I thought one of them was Kevin Warren saying we need federal regulations on NIL, like Brian said. Like, what can the yeah. federal government possibly do to regulate this Wild West, whatever? I think. Come on, we know how Congress is, like Brian said, that's crazy. Um, and I asked Barry Alvarez about it a little bit, and he was just like, we don't really have a good sense of what this could possibly be and just completely dodged the question. So I think that's just more of a, uh, a stage and a nice, a nice line to throw out there, but really has no backing. Right. I mean, he dropped the bomb too. Warren dropped the bomb about USC and UCLA uh, entering right. the Big Ten. Right, right, right. As- as full as full members and getting the big slice of the pie. Uh, you, you guys talked to him. I don't know which one of you actually did the interview because you had a cool byline of the story, but um, what did he say to you when you said, if, when you, when you pressed him on that about with, because certainly Rutgers had to wait six years and is still, still waiting. Yeah. If you can condense his like eight line answer, it's essentially the first line, which is this is a case by case basis, which yeah. subtextually it's USC and UCLA had a lot more leverage than Rutgers. Uh, my my understanding of this whole thing is that essentially Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC accelerated this two mega league future that we're on. 
and the Big Ten had to compete. They went after UC, USC and UCLA. And, you know, when, when USC, UCLA, when Rutgers and Nebraska and Maryland were joining the Big Ten, it felt like the pressure was much more on the other side. I, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't in the negotiating rooms. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk a little later about whether Rutgers and Maryland and Nebraska and all of them should be uh, mad about this. That's a good transition. All right. So we're going to do true or false. Let's dive into our weekly segment. If you're new to the podcast, this is how it works. I will give a statement to, uh, to, to our two guys and uh, they will say true or false. And we'll discuss everything at the end. The first topic, true or false. Rutgers should be furious that UCLA and USC will be full members upon entering the Big Ten. Fonseca, true or false? False. Pat? False. Uh, all right, I'm going to take I'm going to take the other side of it. True, but let's talk about it at that at the end. Uh, true or false? Noah Federal will start and play nearly all the snaps against Boston College. Brian, true or false? True. Okay, Pat. I'm sticking with true. All right, I'm going to go false there as well, just for just for the fun of it. Uh, true or false? We talked about it already. Drew Singleton will win his appeal and play for Rutgers this season. Brian. True. Pat. True again. Yeah, I think is also true. I think you will win it. They feel good about it. <clears throat> true or false? Taj Harris is the most important Rutgers newcomer. What do you think? Is he the most important Rutgers newcomer? Brian. True or false. False. Okay, Pat. False as well. All right, we'll hear who I say true. We'll hear who you think it is in the second. True or false, Rutgers will open as a seven or more point underdog at Boston College. Brian, you're the, you're the odds guy. True or false? Uh, probably true. Pat? True. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say true as well. I think it's the touchdowns could be what it is. True or false? Josiah Harris, the recent transfer from Texas A&M, will be a significant rotational player for the Scarlet Knights. Brian, is that kid going to play? True or false? True, but probably later in the season. Okay. Pat? They need the help, so true. True. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say true as well. That never, There are never enough defensive linemen. Uh, and finally, true or false, Bronny James. Bronny James is coming to Rutgers. <laughs> true or false? Brian, what do you got? Only if he's coming to attend an Ohio State road game. False. <laughs> false. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love that story. What do you think, Pat? Get a chance? True, just for the shock value. <laughs> just for the shock value. I love it. All right. I mean, that's if you hadn't read the story, Adam Zagoria, one of our uh, uh, who works for us, cover Seton Hall, the great story for the New York Times say about about his uh, recruitment, saying that he might be Rutgers is recruiting him. I mean, in a lot of ways. It does make sense because they can give him playing time. It's a developmental program. They doesn't. LeBron James doesn't need the NIL money, but yeah, but it seems like if Ohio State wants him close to home, that's going to be a, it's probably going to be the target. It's going to be the likely target at least on the outside. All right, the one I'm interested in here: if Taj Harris, the receiver transfer, is not the most important Rutgers newcomer, who is it? Who do you, who do you got, Brian? Give me give me give me a name. I would say units. I don't know which one of the offensive linemen it will yeah. be, but it has to be. That group, um, obviously, that was the worst unit on the team last year. It was a big reason why they were 120th out of 132 teams in total offense. Uh, so those three guys, or three or four of the guys, however many of them actually end up playing significant time, they need to play. I mean, again, the bar is very low compared to last year, but they need to play well and uh, live up to some expectations for Rutgers to have any chance of, one, of 
if they do go with Gavin Wimsatt, of him having any chance of success, and two, of the offense in general being better than you know last in the Big Ten. So I think those three are uh, pretty evidently the most important newcomers. Lanny? I was thinking along the same lines, and just because I'll add to the fact that the receiver room has four or five guys that are legitimately just as good as Taj Harris. You know, Crookshank's going to be back. Josh Youngblood could be could have a big season. Sean Ryan's another transfer, and and yeah. Shaheem Jones is also looking good. So I think there's just more depth and and just as good talent as as Taj Harris. Whereas, like Brian said, the offensive line really needs help. And I was I was thinking the most important guy might be uh, J.D. DiRenzo. Saw him at St. Joe's Ham a few years ago, and and I think he's just going to be a really a really impactful player. All right, all right. Let's so let's uh, the the UCLA USA thing is fascinating. You both said true that uh, false that Rutgers should be should be uh, furious. I understand your take, but give give it to me. Give it to one of you guys. Give it to me. Why why should Rutgers not be angry about this? They would be in the American Athletic Conference. <laughs> That's pretty. That's what Greg Shannon told you, right? He just came on said that. Exactly, but it's so true. I mean, we're going to complain about a little bit. Everybody's got debt, right? That that's that's life. Uh, Maybe maybe except the the Ohio State or whatever. But uh, I would take (laughs) debt any day over being in the AAC and having no future. The one thing I will say, and I agree, and and the difference what people are missing is that UCLA and USC are coming in at the as they're negotiating a new con a new tv contract rutgers and nebraska and maryland came in in the middle of one so they didn't have they didn't bring the initial value the only thing i will say about this is that the value rutgers brought to this to, to the big 10 network is uh, far exceeds what they were paid for i mean the early the, the early doubters about oh Rutgers in the Big Ten with the, it's just a cable box deal it might have been but it was a big cable box deal I mean it it it, it turned that now there's there's a reason why the the Big Ten is with the SEC as the two two top conferences in the nation and Rutgers is a big reason why that happened so I mean I get it that certainly that there there are reasons and the the leverage the the different place in where we are and in the in the TV deal but. I mean, I understand if Rutgers, if if there are people in Rutgers who are like, good grief, we, I mean, we brought a bigger mark than market than they are. That's the only thing I'll say about that. Uh, all right, finally, the quarterback situation. So you guys are sold. You guys think we're going to have Noah Vedral, uh in in a heaping handful of Noah Vedral against Boston College. That's what you're telling me. The helix is coming. That's right. Ground is broken. Foundations are being laid, and the plans are being realized. For those that have not yet heard, the Helix is a new innovation district in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Smack dab in the middle of the Northeast Corridor, the Helix is a place for innovators to gather and innovation to take action. It offers a range of physical environments, a vibrant innovation community, and a strategic central location in close proximity to New York, Philly, Boston, and D.C. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments, creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others are already signing up to call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is coming. Visit helixnj.com to learn more. I would, I am going personally off just, the guy started for two years in a row. Uh, Gavin Wimsett has not shown 
any overwhelming uh, ability in the spring, at least that he will, you know, beat him soundly in a quarterback competition. Uh, Greg Schiano sounded like it will be a true open competition in the fall. And he said he's open to multiple quarterbacks playing. So um, when in doubt, I'm just going to go with the, the proven guy. And uh, I will like Greg Schiano wait for Gavin Wimsett or even Evan Simon, who apparently is in the competition to uh, surpass no federal in camp before I start, uh, you know, predicting that. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy the Evan Simon thing at all. I mean, that, that would stun me. Uh, what did you, what did you make of that, Pat? When he, when, when Chano says he's open to starting multiple quarterbacks, do you think that this is going to be a competition that's going to be won or lost in camp? Or are we going to be up in Boston waiting for the first incomplete? Cause that's what it'll be. I mean, the first time though, a veteran underthrows a receiver, which, <laughs> which based on what we've seen will be the first series, you know, people are going to be, people are going to be like, where's Wimsat? I mean, that's what, that's what will happen. I think no one's going to ever say this publicly about what this Rucker season is, but this is what I asked Shiano when he was on the, in the press conference on the big 10 network, like what team does this remind you of? And he said, mm-hmm. 2004, 2005. And, and I thought that was really important because it was a developmental year. And I think that's right. what they want to do a quarterback here is just develop Wimsat and make sure that two years when he has some experience that he's going to be the quarterback that everyone thinks he is. So by running him out early, I, I just think you ruin that development. And that's why I think Rutgers wants to slow play it and, and let and let Vedral lead the way with great leadership, which is what he's known for. That's interesting because there's two, I mean, those are two very different seasons in Rutgers history, 04 and 05. Obviously, 05 right. is the breakthrough bowl season. They were really good offensively. You know, Ryan Hart, quarterback, uh, you know, it, it can put up a lot of points. Um, I, I just wonder we are at a different point in college football history too, where, you know, I think there's no sign that Kevin Wimsett's unhappy or in fact, quite to the contrary, he seems really happy at Rutgers seems to love it here. So there's no, I mean, like the concern, like, all right, this kid might leave, but at the same point, no one waits anymore in college sports. I mean, that's it's kind of the expectation you're going to go and you're going to play. He's already in, he's already in the program for a year. I guess I would be personally disappointed if we didn't see a lot of him. I don't know. Starting is one thing, but, I mean, what's your take on that, Brian? Am I wrong to think that, that you know, if this season is all about his development, we should see him early and often? The ideal scenario is that Gavin Wimsett plays early and often. Uh, whether It's a balance of whether you want the low ceiling but high floor of Vedral or, you know, the, the high ceiling but lower floor of, of Wimsett. It depends on how they view the season. I do think that uh, Sean Gleason, offensive coordinator, has some experience in playing two quarterbacks. He did that a lot mm-hmm. at Princeton before he went to Oklahoma State. Uh, 2018 season is a good uh, template for uh, what they did. They had a really, uh, they have a guy who's a fullback now at on the Packers. He was their starting quarterback, did a lot of running. I don't think Rutgers has a guy in the mold of that, but you know, maybe you platoon those two guys. I think it's possible, but yes, the ideal scenario is Gavin Wimsett by week three, week four really starts to establish himself, starts starting games and uh, kind of grabs the role from there. And I don't think that's going to be, and you did the story on it, Brian. You sat with Noah Vedral. Uh, we should talk about that. I think, that's, I think that's a really cool thing, watching film with him, getting the sense for him that he wants to be a coach someday. I don't think this is going to be as rough. This is not a situation where, you know, the, in, the incumbent quarterback is going to be in the transfer portal the next day. I mean, I think he, I think Vedral has to know that this day is coming. I think a part of him is he's here to prepare for his next uh, his next thing, which is, which is coaching. 
So I mean, what, when you sat with him, what do you, what, what's your sense in that way? Would it, would it be a difficult transition if it happens? And what did you get out of that time that you spent with Vesrel uh, for that story? Yeah, he was really, really impressive. Um, as I noted in the story, I am compared to him completely football illiterate. And he made uh, a lot of these complicated things sound pretty simple to me. Uh, very confident in the way he speaks. Very smart, very astute. I think he's shown in the year since Wimsat has been here and everyone's focus has been on Wimsat while Petro is the starting quarterback that he's good at dealing with the situation. He's taken it all in stride. Obviously, he wants to play, right? I think he doesn't show that much side of him that he, right. he does want to start, right? Obviously. But I think in a situation where Wimsat does overtake him and takes the job, I think Vedro would be happy to, you know, to help him along, help coach him. And like you said, this will be a way for him to prepare for his future. He wants to be a quarterback's coach at some point. And what better way to kind of prepare for that to help, you know, this young guy learn the rigors of the Big Ten and kind of bring him along. The other, the other part of this is it's funny. See, looking at pictures of, of, of Wimsat uh, on social media, it just looks like a different person i mean a year in that program that was the best decision he could have made leaving high school. at the time we're like oh he's gonna give up his high school year he's still 18 years old but he looks i mean he I, jay young in that in the, in the strength and conditioning program really did a great job developing him uh pat what have you what have you seen from just the limited amount you've been around i get it, you'll have a we'll have a much better sense when we get to when we get to camp then we start watching the day-to-day practice but what have you seen from him I mean, if I just hit the iron a little bit myself, this next couple of weeks, I'll be in good You'll shape for training yeah. camp. So, so that's really my focus. Uh, <laughs> but I, You're a long way, seen, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get up to 160. So that's uh, fr- first and foremost. But what, I, what I've seen is just a confident kid. The one time he did speak or after spring practice, he, he was very confident in his, in his approach and, and smart. And like Brian said, very content. Uh, with his situation. So I'm excited to see him in practice the next couple of weeks and, and we'll go from there, but you're right. He, he definitely is much bigger and, and kudos to the strength team at Rutgers. I'm, going, I'm, going down. Yeah. I'm looking forward to I'm going down there to uh, tomorrow for, for, for practice already put in my interview request for Gavin Wimsat. I wonder if they will laugh at me quietly or if they'll laugh at me out loud when about that. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe they'll make them available to talk. We will see. All right, let's dive into our Rutgers insider questions. I want to thank everyone for who subscribes to our tech service. I and mean, we've got some great stuff. I mean, Todrick Hunt is hitting it hard with the recruiting on there with just insights that I, you know, I mean, I'm learning, I'm learning something from his texts every day. So if you haven't subscribed to that service, it's only five bucks a month. Come on, get, get on there. Uh, And here's a great question to start out. Everyone is talking about the quarterback position. What does the running back platoon look like? Uh, I mean, that's, that's interesting. You know, they, they obviously lost a pro and, and a pro who, and Isaiah Pacheco, who is getting first team reps with Kansas city. Uh, what do you guys see there at running back? Either one of you take that one. I, I, I think committee, the easiest committee. way to put it, it's going to be a committee. Yeah. And, and I think you're going to see Langan running the ball a lot too. Uh, oh, wow. You know, maybe yep. the quarterbacks running the ball too. So I, I think it's, you can't look at it the way we're going to have an Isaiah Pacheco or, or anyone like that carrying the ball 15, 20 times a game. Not even Kyle, not even Manungai? You don't think Kyle Manungai is going to get that, going to get 20 carries if they I hope so. I've been on the Manungai bandwagon since Don Bosco. So <laughs> I, I, I think he could be a really good college player. He, he runs with great pad level and, and is physical for being a guy that's 5'7, five, 5'8 five, at best. So right. 
he does seem like the front runner to me, but I, I can't envision someone getting close to a thousand yards uh, this season. I had a second question about the running back situation. All right. So after Mananga and Young, I would assume are the, is the platoon. Uh, do you see any of these other guys, uh, you know, Brown, Salam, Wright Collins? I mean, who, who, who is the one guy who might emerge there uh, from, from the, uh, and, and surprise people on that depth chart? Brian, is there, is there a name? Yeah, I think Al-Shadi Salam has a chance. Uh, he had a good spring game. He uh, had a good finish to spring camp. Uh, Sam Brown is, you know, a four-star recruit, highly touted. He, do, he doesn't enroll until the fall. Uh, or, right. Or sorry, I think he enrolled in the summer. He didn't enroll early like his other classmates because he was playing high school basketball and wanted to finish out his high school career, which is fine, but a rarity these days. I think uh, he will probably uh, come along, be more of a running back of the future than, than this season. All right. Uh, more depth chart questions. Realistically, should we expect to see any true freshman crack the two deep uh, from Matt and Randolph? Uh, Pat, you got anybody for me? I, I wrote about this one in the newcomers post a few days ago. Thomas Amonqua out of Hillsboro okay. was a, a really good high school player. And it seems like he's focusing on the defensive side. It, it should be a good training camp story. Uh, I would love to see if he's going to end up being an offensive or defensive player, but I think he has the versatility to, to, to be an impact guy out of the gate. All right. Good one. I like it. All right. Moving on. Who uh, another one possession uh, position question who will be the starting lineman or who are the seven most likely to start and at what position i'll start out i think for everything i've heard ireland browns your starting center uh build it around go ahead Fonseca, build build me build me an offensive line can you do it uh jay Renzo will probably play curtis dunlap uh, mm-hmm. uh holland pierce who uh, holland i pierce. believe shout told us he'll be cleared for camp uh will certainly have a role um Who's the other transfer that I'm forgetting? Who's your uh, left tackle? Uh, Willie Tyler. Willie Tyler. Uh, yeah. And uh, there's probably a name. I have to get the line in front of me. There's probably a name I'm right. forgetting here. But yeah. those six definitely will have. Uh, uh, will we'll play. Uh, but Gus Zalinkas from 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 last year had played a lot. I'm trying, yeah, I mean, there's still. I guess it's is it is it more is it less settled or more settled than uh, than you want to be going into to training camp? You think? I think it's probably. Pretty the, the top five, top six are pretty established. It's a matter of building depth behind them, uh, which right. in an ideal scenario, you don't need the depth. Those six can really ride it out. But I'd say the top six, top seven are pretty, uh, pretty clear. All right. Um, let's uh, go. Okay. So it, here's a, a question, Alex from Marlboro. Another position question. Linebacker is thin with Drew Singleton still up in the air. Who takes the third spot after Powell and Jennings? All right. So uh, uh, Deion Jennings, Tyreen Powell, I think they expect big things from Tyreen Tyre, Tyre Powell. Um, give me a sense. I mean, who, who, who slides in there? Is it Anthony Johnson, a freshman? Who, who, who's a guy that you'll see there if, if Singleton doesn't get eligible? Uh, Austin Dean might get some run. He had some run in the spring game. He had some run uh, during spring camp. Uh, Anthony Johnson, certainly, as you said. I don't think he was as far along as uh, Moses Walker was before he got hurt, but uh, he right. has a ton of talent. He has the size, so. If he can get into shape, if he got into shape over the summer, he certainly can contend. But uh, those are the two names. But I think given that, I think Drew Singleton obviously is the ideal yeah. uh, scenario. All right. If linebacker is the thinnest position, and I think it is, cornerback might be the deepest position. You could tell me if you disagree with that. Um, who from this group uh, of the corner of this question from uh, – didn't give me a name. So um, who from this group of cornerbacks do you think we'll see 
uh, as starters. I, I mean, I think that they are obviously very high on Max Melton, um, who you should be sliding into the other cornerback spot. Shaquan Loyal. Maybe Shaquan Loyal. Yeah. Uh, Christian Izian has, has played well at times. He's, uh, I thought he was a safety. Is he gonna, is he, uh, longer beam? He's longer seen. beam. Yeah, that's right. Longer beam. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the, but they have depth there. So that's going to be one position. I think um, you would expect them to be pretty set at. All right. Let me see what other questions we got here. All right. This is, this is a broader question. We talked about it a little bit, but it's, it's worth, it's worth hitting on again. Can we survive NIL as modern politics shows small dollar contributions go a long way uh, where the push to get as many grads to give something, anything. And I, I, so that's, I think that's what you're seeing now, John Newman, who, has a has a rival podcast, but that's his second most important thing now. <laughs> running the running the Rutgers Collective, I think they think that they can they can make an impact if if Rutgers donors give twenty bucks, a bunch of Rutgers donors give twenty bucks a month and subscribe to this thing, they'll be able to make an impact. In order to really do it, though, you got to have a few big donations, right? I mean, it, you got to have you got to have somebody step up in a way that's uncommon for Rutgers to give money to make to make this go. If if Greg Shannon's right and they need millions. You know, that means you're throwing $500,000 at, at a player. I mean, that's that's what's happening in other places, certainly. Rutgers needs these small donations to keep in competition with the rest of the people. But to your point, let's say 5,000 people donate $20 a month. That's a million dollars. That's a decent amount. But if a, if Rutgers is competing for a player with, say, for example, Texas A&M, which is full of rich <laughs> alums who can right. pull out $10 million without even it hurting their, you know, hurting them at all. You can't really compare the two things, but Rutgers needs a much bigger pool and, and uh, much bigger donations than, than just the monthly contributions. You, you mentioned AM. We haven't got into it on the pod yet, but Chase Basanta is the number one player in the state, uh, you know, out of Don Bosco committing to AM. I don't think there's any question that, and some, and some of the numbers I've heard are, are just astounding. I don't know. I mean, there's just rumors. We don't have it confirmed. So, I mean, but uh, upwards of, five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars to get a high school player to go to I mean it is amazing. Rutgers will never compete with that. That's just not gonna happen. Pat, how does that change recruiting? I mean, does it, it it's so fascinating. Let's just let's just call the numbers what they are. Like you said, we have no idea. But what I found so interesting, CJ Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, has been reported to have an upward a deal of about a million dollars, right? Like so how is one of the best players in college football the same value as a high school offensive yeah. lineman who may that not even wild. be the best player in New Jersey? That that's why like the numbers, I, I it's shocking on the surface, but like <laughs> I, I I find it so hard to believe that Chase Basantis, even as high of a recruit as he is for Texas AM, is is probably I, I'm only guessing here, the fourth or fifth best person in that recruiting class for Texas AM. Yeah. So how that's how true. do they even compare these players? And I think what's happening is coaches are having a hard time justifying, okay, this kid's getting this much money, but this veteran on my team is getting less than that. Right. And he's not even playing yet. So yeah. I, I think it's causing a lot of issues from that regard. It is wild. Yeah. And I, I have to finish. We have a question about this is a, uh, another train. Uh, how has channel Ch- Ch- return impacted recruiting? Just how much better are these commits compared to say four years ago? This is important to ever commit in the Big Ten. It is. It's sort of amazing how the game has changed. Even in you know his this is his third. I guess this is his third coming around uh, recruiting class, fourth recruiting class he's working on. Um, it has. Yeah. I mean, and then just uh, that standpoint, I think you're going to see 
Ruckus is going to have to start recruiting a different kind of kid. You're just not going to be able to, you're, you're going to be out. And maybe you always were. That's what, that's what the other part of it is. If, if, if a guy is considering an SEC school, chances are there was a payment taking place already in a lot of the situations, but now it's up, now it's out in the board. They're bigger money going around. Um, it really does change the face of recruiting and how he's going to have to handle it. It's going to be fascinating to see how that develops over the next few years. And I think it I think it even more puts a bigger emphasis on his ability to find diamonds in the rough and become a developmental program. And that's why he needs to that's why he wants the money to keep these players, because once they get him in here, they get two years in the weight room. They they make a guy into a they make a you know a two, two, three star recruit into a big 10 player. They have to keep that guy. That's that's the emphasis um, where we're at with that. All right. Let me see if there's any other questions here that are worth uh, dive. Oh, here's one. This is good. With the changes in the Rutgers rant lineup, who is now the funniest person on the podcast? Who do you got? Who do you got, Fonseca? Who's the funniest person on the podcast? Come on. I think Lanny is much quicker to the quips than I am. Uh, so I'll, so. I'll, I'll nominate Lanny. Yeah, I'm going to go with Lanny too. I think he's got, yeah, he's got a personality here. He's got, he's got some one-liners. <laughs> right. But Steve, your, your writing is always full of wit, which is why I think you're such a great <laughs> <laughs> so you Rutgers answer. Most Rutgers fans who would say my writing is full of something that rhymes with wit. I don't know that wit necessarily. <laughs> See, that's a good line. Maybe I am the funniest. You nailed it. You nailed it. All right. It. Uh, thank, thank you, everyone, for the questions. Um, let's let's start with this, and I'm gonna let's end with this. I mean, let's uh, give me give me one prediction. So we can we usually end with predictions in the podcast. We don't have a game this week. We don't we, that that we can predict. Give me one prediction for training camp. What's the one, what's something that's going to happen in training camp that's going to surprise people? I'm putting you on the spot. Whoever's ready, go first. Tell me what you think. Little boy. I'm going to have to edit out some dead air. Um, <laughs> Leave the dead air in. It's, it's clear. It's clear that you're not ready for this question. What do you got? Come yeah, on. Oh, my God. Give me a prediction. Training camp prediction. I'll go first. Kyle How Manungai. Kyle Manungai. Gra- gra- uh, steals away the starting running back job and looks like a 20-carry guy. How about that? Okay, that's good. Completely that, that's, contradictory to what I said. What before. you said just 15 minutes ago. That's yeah, that's yeah, good. Exactly. That's good. I predict this. I pre- this is this is one that you just you just coming off of Giants camp, Pat. So Pat had to fill in for, uh, for Giants camp over the weekend. Both of you had to fill in, and you saw how bad the offense was. I predict that the Rutgers offense is going to be a little ahead of the Rutgers defense through training camp. I was that that's something that I think would be unexpected given uh given all the changes on the offensive line i've been wrong before all right brian you got a prediction i don't (laughs) my prediction is i have no prediction okay (laughs) i predict that you better come up with one by the next podcast any final thoughts what do we got closing Uh, comments yeah uh no brian james to ruckers is a lovely dream can you imagine lebron james at the rack just that would be something else just the thought of, of of him sitting in the middle of like the 100 section well, enjoy that thought for now because that's is, probably never going to happen. But is there any chance Bronny could be transferring high schools? Wasn't that how everyone, how the NBA beat writers found out that LeBron was going to the Lakers? Bronny enrolled in a school in California. That's right. Is there any yes. chance that he transfers to, say, Roselle Catholic for this season? Oh, that'd be something else. So, so someone asked, what, how does, if they get Bronny James, how does it affect Dylan Harper's recruiting, which just cracked me up? I'm like, look, they can get Dylan Harper. There's no, I mean, that's that's obviously far bigger than any other get that they would have at this point. So they'd have to they'd have to feel like that would be a, that would be a home run 
Where's basketball recruiting at? We haven't talked about that at all. What's going on with the basketball program? Yeah, uh, they're going through their summer workouts. Uh, the thing is with recruiting, if they, if in a scenario where they do get Bronny James, he wouldn't even be their best recruiter in the class. Gavin Griffiths is ranked higher than, than Bronny James. Um, they're waiting on Papa Conte, who's a 23 uh, center, a uh, big time target for them. He's supposed to announce once he comes back home from Senegal. Um, that'll be something to watch. Rutgers is involved. Nice. And yeah, they're kind of in wait and see there. Yeah, November is only uh, three months away. Road trip to Senegal. Let's make that happen. All right, guys, on that note, let's close it up. Thanks for all of your questions. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be at training camp. At least I'll be there Wednesday. Pat and Brian will be there for the next couple of weeks. And the podcast will be back on a regular basis. So we look forward to uh, hearing from you sooner than later. Thanks for listening.